Well, if you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 27. And I want to welcome everyone here in our celebration service, those who are watching across the way in our summit service, all those who are watching at home, online, and on our television broadcast. One year ago, we were not here because of the beginning of the pandemic. And now as we ramp up to Easter, looking forward to our first worship, Easter worship all together in two years, I hope you share my excitement and my enthusiasm for that day. Uh, today, we're in a little bit of a plan B. Uh, so last week, I preached live to the summit service, and our summit minister, Grant Keith, preached live here in our celebration service. And the plan this week was for us to swap. And I was going to preach that message here. He was going to press, preach this message there. Uh, but Grant flew home on Sunday afternoon, Monday morning, not flew home, but flew back to Amarillo, his old home, uh, to get his house ready for sale and a few last minute details so that he could move his family here. But he arrived in Amarillo the next morning, woke up sick, went to the doctor, and he is positive for COVID. Uh, since then, his wife has come down with COVID, and so they're doing okay. I hope you'll pray for them and some others in our church this week who are diagnosed positive with COVID. Uh, but consequently, he's not here today and will be with us next week. Uh, but today, plan B, I'm going to share a different message with you, but I'm very excited about what the Lord has, uh, what I believe the Lord has given me from Proverbs chapter 27. This will be an unusual message for a couple of reasons. I really have two purposes with this message. First, I want to model uh, some spiritual disciplines, some of those things that we do daily in our walk with the Lord to better experience God's grace and God's power in our lives. I want to model some spiritual disciplines, but I also want to teach you some spiritual lessons. So hopefully this will be an impactful message with you on both of those, both of those levels. So just to jump in, Proverbs chapter 27, to tell you the story, I, uh, most days, I can't tell you that every single day, but most days, I read some from God's word. I read a chapter and many days, uh, much beyond the chapter, I spend time praying. I call that my personal devotion time. People call that a quiet time. That's the beginning of my spiritual discipline each morning, spending time with the Lord. Another thing that I do as a part of a spiritual discipline is that I then share what I have learned on that, on that morning, in that morning devotion with some Christian friends. And so that all comes back here to Proverbs chapter 27. This was one of the passages that was assigned to our little group. And so we all read it and then we came together and shared well, two things there for you to know. First of all, it's important, I believe, for all of us to have this, this daily time with the Lord. This is one of the most important ingredients, one of the most important tools that we have in order to grow in our faith. And we need a place where we can share what we've learned with other people. Not many people have Christian friendships. Now, we have friends who are Christians, but that's something different. A Christian friendship is a group of people that you have the opportunity to talk to those people about what you've read in scripture and what God is teaching you, that you're comfortable sharing that, hearing that, that you pray for each other in front of each other. Christian friendship. 
And so those two spiritual disciplines, that's where all this story starts. I had read Proverbs 27, and then I had shared this with, with a group of men that I meet with, a small group of men that I meet with each week uh, for our Christian friendship in order to share these things that we've, that we've learned. Well, when I read Proverbs 27, there was a verse that stood out to me. Uh, it, it seems that almost every chapter of Scripture, when I read and I, and I really read carefully, there's a verse that stands out that is especially meaningful. And, and so for Proverbs chapter 27, that verse was verse 1. And verse 1 really caught my attention. It really grabbed my heart. And I learned so much from this verse. So I want us to start there. And then I'm just going to walk you through what God has taught me and how hopefully that can be uh, life-changing for you. So Proverbs chapter 27, verse one simply says, don't boast about tomorrow for you don't know what a day might bring. Don't boast about tomorrow for none of us knows what tomorrow really holds. And so that's a verse that we're familiar with. And many of you have read that verse dozens and dozens of times. And I had done so as well, but I began to meditate on that verse. Do you know what it means to meditate that's a word that we often throw around in our culture, and it's usually from an Eastern context or it's some New Age context, and it means something very different than it does in Scripture. But the Bible tells us that we ought to meditate on what we read in Scripture, and here's how you do that. You read a verse or you read a few verses, and you focus on it so closely that you understand or you seek to understand the full message of the verse. You try to see everything that this verse tells us. You try to see all the nuances and, and answer all the questions. So first you seek to fully understand in a prayerful spirit, God help me to understand your Holy Spirit be the teacher. I want to fully understand the verse. And then after you understand the verse, you begin to see how the truth of the verse intersects with what's going on in your life. In fact, I have a whole list of questions that I ask myself when I meditate on a verse. Questions like this, does this verse show me a sin that I should confess? Does it show me uh, something I should give thanks for, a blessing in my life? Does it remind me of a relationship that I need to fix? Does it add, remind me of an attitude that I need to change, an opportunity that I have to serve? Does it remind me of a reason I need to praise the Lord? Or is there something further here that I should meditate upon? Now hold that last one because we're going to come back to that. But I did exactly that here with Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1. And so in my devotion time, I asked all of those questions. And I really felt like God showed me some things here, some important things. Because I began to think about some things that I plan to do better. Are there some things in your life that you plan to do better one day? Some areas where you plan to be better one day? And I began to write those down in my notebook. I plan to be, I want to be a better husband to my wife. And that was the first thing that came to mind. I want to be, I plan to be, I intend to be a better husband to my wife. I thought I also plan to be better at personal evangelism. That's something that I struggle with uh, more often than I should. And, and I don't want to struggle. I, I, I don't believe I'll always struggle. I plan to be better at that. Another thing is family devotions. I plan to be better 
at leading my family and in nightly devotions in our home. I don't do a good job at that, but I do plan one day to be better at that. And so there were a whole list of things that I planned to do better. But what does this verse have to say about our plans to be better? It tells us that that's boasting in tomorrow. Does that make sense? If I plan to be better at something later on, then I am, I am saying that, that tomorrow, that I don't know if it's going to come. I have no control of it when it gets here. I, I, I don't know what circumstances it'll bring to my life. But somehow in this tomorrow, I'm promising to do something that I really ought to do today. And so all of those plans, and this was an emotional devotion time in my life. This was an emotional prayer time. In all of those plans, I recognized that my good intention of being better later on was my boasting in tomorrow. And so I confessed those sins and asked God to help me be better, not tomorrow, but today. What I know I should do, Lord, help me to do it today and not boast and not boast in tomorrow. Well, I had an opportunity to share that with, with a number of people. And when I go and have lunch with somebody, I uh, almost always, I try to always share something in the lunch about what God has shown me, what God has taught me uh, in the last week, just to see if they will return with something that God has taught them in the last week. And then we can talk about the Lord. So on Monday, I was having lunch with some friends and I shared this story with them how God has convicted me that I often boast about tomorrow. I plan to be better later, I boast about tomorrow. And then when I met with my, my normal group on Wednesday morning, and we go through our Bible reading for the week, I shared with them, just briefly, but I shared with them, this is the passage I'm boasting about tomorrow. I had to confess some areas, uh, men, that I am boasting about tomorrow. I think I even shared this in a Wednesday afternoon Zoom class that I taught. I, I wanted to tell everybody, this is what the Lord has shown me. But because I think that I continued to refer to that, the verse just continued to reverberate in my heart all week long. And so then Thursday morning, uh, Thursday was the day I was going to write this sermon. Uh, Thursday morning in my devotion time, I just couldn't shake Proverbs 27.1. Don't boast in tomorrow. And I kept thinking of ways that I'm boasting in tomorrow. And, and you remember I said when I was going through those questions that I ask when I meditate on Scripture, is there a sin to confess, an attitude to change, a, you know, a person to talk to, uh, uh, some obedience to, uh, to get on top of? It, it, one of those questions, the last one I mentioned, is, is there something further in this verse that I could meditate upon and so Thursday morning with this verse still just so much in the forefront of, our, of my mind, I realized that perhaps I could meditate just on the word tomorrow. You know, we can meditate on a verse of scripture and that's probably really how we ought to learn to meditate. But when, once we learn to do that, then we can begin to meditate on on concepts or ideas. For instance, you could meditate on heaven. You could think about all that the Bible says about heaven. You could meditate on the, on the goodness of God and the grace of God and the cross of Christ. There are many things you could meditate on. And so I thought perhaps I should spend this devotion time, a part of this Thursday morning devotion time, 
just meditating on the word tomorrow. So how do you meditate on just a word, just a concept? Well, very similar to how you'd meditate on a passage of scripture, just with one more step. You would start by thinking about all the different ways that the Bible talks about that subject. Now you have to have some background in the Bible or some special tools to do that. So this may not be you know, a good starting place for everybody, but you begin by thinking about what, what in total does the Bible have to say about that? If you're meditating on heaven, what does the Bible everywhere have to say about heaven? And you begin to work through that. And so what does the Bible have to say about tomorrow? And then you just go through those questions. Is there a sin here I need to confess? Is there, is there an attitude I need to change and so forth? So I began to meditate on tomorrow and I recognized that the Bible, you may be surprised, the Bible has a great deal to say about tomorrow. The Bible talks about tomorrow over and over and over. Tomorrow is a, is a major theme in the Bible. And this, this part may surprise you even more. Almost every single time the Bible speaks of tomorrow, it speaks of it in negative terms. Tomorrow is presented in Scripture as an enemy to us. And you think about some of the failures that we have, some of the obstacles in life, some of the struggles that we have. So many of those can be connected to tomorrow. Tomorrow has been the monster that has brought those evils in our life. Tomorrow has been the enemy that has caused us so much trouble. It's tomorrow that we need to, to safeguard against. And so out of that meditation, going through scripture and prayerfully going through the verses and asking those questions, I really feel that God has shown me five things, five ways that tomorrow can be an enemy in our lives. And then five ways, five things that we can do in order to make tomorrow safer. So let me give those to you right out of my devotion time, Thursday morning, five ways that tomorrow is our enemy, and then five things we can do to make it safer. Number one, number one, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow is your enemy if it leads you to worry. How many of us have struggled with worry and made ourselves miserable because we're worrying? We worry about our kids, we worry about our future, we worry about our jobs, our finances, our retirement. We worry about our country and the direction of our country. We worry about our health. We worry about all kinds of things and often we're just miserable because of worry. But what has all of our worrying ever accomplished? Do you know? It has accomplished exactly nothing. And when tomorrow, because of its uncertainty, and there is great uncertainty in tomorrow, none of us know what's going to happen. Because of tomorrow's uncertainty, if we're not careful, it can cause us to worry. And that worry can do all kinds of things. It can, number one, rob us of joy. You can't be filled with joy and filled with worry at the same time. And so if you let tomorrow and the uncertainty of tomorrow force you to worry, you'll lose joy. It'll also cause you to lose patience. I'm sorry, peace. It'll steal the peace out of your life. You can't have peace as long as you're worrying. And it can reduce our wisdom. Because many of the bad decisions we make, we make because we lost patience, because we lost peace, because we are so worrying, we are so worried, we became hasty, and we did things that we, that we shouldn't, shouldn't have done. 
Jesus, it's interesting, in Luke chapter 12, this is what he says. Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? If then you are not able to do even this little thing, why worry? Good question. Good question. So what is the antidote to worry? If the uncertainty of tomorrow causes us to worry and worry brings such such misery into our lives, what is the antidote to worrying? Well, the antidote is to deeply trust the Lord. See, tomorrow, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I can choose to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow, and then that'll destroy my joy today, or I can choose to trust that my Father in heaven who loves me and who is sovereign over the entire world, that he's going to handle tomorrow. You see, all of us have a choice. We can worry or we can trust. Worry, that's tomorrow being our enemy. Worry robs us of our joy, but trust gives us, gives us real peace in life. The best place to go in scripture perhaps to learn about worry and trust is, is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. There are about 10 verses. You struggle with worry. You should read those closely. Let me share just a few of them with you. Verse 28, Jesus says, why do you worry about your clothes? Just as an example, why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he care for you? If God even takes care of the grass... Do you not think God's going to take care of his children, those people who have been adopted into his family? Why should we worry? He goes on in that same passage. He says, don't worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? And what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. The Gentiles, what is he talking about there? He's, he's talking about the unbelievers. He says, if you're not a child of God, then you ought to worry about everything. If you're not a child of God, you ought to worry about tomorrow. Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? Who knows what could go wrong tomorrow in your health and your finances and our country? Who knows what could go wrong? But if you're a child of God, we have trust in our heavenly father. So we shouldn't worry. Tomorrow is our enemy if it leads us to worry. But the antidote to worry is this deep trust in the Lord, deep trust in the Lord. Well, number two, if we're going to make tomorrow safe, don't allow tomorrow to steal today. Tomorrow is your enemy if it steals your today. I wonder if this has ever been your experience. There's something that you want to do, something that you feel the Holy Spirit is leading you to do something maybe you're even excited about doing. And one day you're going to do it. But for now, you have taken a, a post-it note in your heart, in your mind, a post-it note that says tomorrow. And you've put it on that thing that you, that you have been called to do, that you know that God wants you to do. And so you plan to do it. I am going to do it, Father. And Lord in heaven, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I'm just going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to do it next week or next year. I'm going to do it at a different season in my life. I want to do it, but I'm going to do it tomorrow. Well, when we do that, listen, church, then tomorrow has stolen our today. And oftentimes people get 
later on in life and they look back on their lives and they realize that they never really lived their lives because they were always planning on living, on serving, on sacrificing, on chasing the dreams that God has put on their heart tomorrow. And tomorrow never came. And it never does come. And if we're not careful, tomorrow can rob us of our today. Because if tomorrow is when we're going to do what we're going to do, then tomorrow will never come and our todays will pass us by. I believe there's so many people who say, tomorrow I'm going to serve the Lord in a special way. Tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm going to share the gospel with my neighbor. Tomorrow. I'm going to go on a mission trip and share the Share the gospel in another culture tomorrow. I'm going to answer God's call on my life tomorrow. I'm going to take a bold step of faith tomorrow, tomorrow. And it never comes. I, I think about Solomon. Solomon, the third king of Israel, the wisest man, the Bible says, that ever lived. He got to the end of his life and he, he took inventory of everything he had done and everything he had not done. And he wrote a book called Ecclesiastes. And so you come to the last chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes and he's really wrapping up his his understanding of, of his entire life. He's right at the end and he's looking back over his years and he's giving advice and he says this, Ecclesiastes 12.1, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of adversity come and the years approach when you will say, I have no delight in them. Here's what he says, don't wait because that's not how time works. Don't plan to do it tomorrow because tomorrow will never come. Don't assume that there will be a time when it is easier for you to do it, when you have more, more uh, resources for you to do it, when, when you're more ready to do it, prepared to do it. He says, no, if you do that, if the plan is tomorrow, tomorrow will never come. The way life works is if God has put it on your heart, then now, now is the time to do it. Don't allow tomorrow to steal today. Well, number three, as I'm meditating on tomorrow from scripture, uh, if we don't want tomorrow uh, to ruin us, then don't be fooled by a tomorrow faith. Don't be fooled by a tomorrow faith. Now, th 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 listen to this. Maybe these are thoughts you've not had. If I were to ask you today to rate to assess and to rate the health and the strength of your faith, what would you say? If I said, tell me, how strong, how healthy is your faith, what would you say? And I think probably most of us would give ourselves a pretty good grade. And we'd say things like this, I would do anything for the Lord. I would give up anything that God asked me to give up. I would lay down my life for the Lord. We read in scripture the bold faith of people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Do you know that story? Three young Hebrew teenagers, and they were told that they had to bow before this uh, pagan statue or they would be thrown into the fire. And what did they say? We will not bow before this statue. If you're going to throw us in the fire, throw us in the fire. But we will not bow to this, to this false god. We read that story and... You know, in our hearts, we, we say, well, that's what I would do. If I were there, I wouldn't bow either. Throw me in the fire. 
And we read the story of Daniel just a few chapters later. And Daniel was told, you must not pray to your God anymore. No more praying. If you do, we'll throw you in a den of lions. So what, is, what does Daniel do? He goes home, he opens the windows so that there will be no question, and he gets down on his knees and he prays. And he's thrown into the den of lions. We read that story and we think, well, me too. If, if, if I were told that, that if I prayed again that there would be some punishment, it wouldn't slow me down, I, I would pray. We can think about Peter, so many stories in, in Scripture. I hear people today talk often about their fear that we're losing our religious liberty in our country. And I think that is a legitimate fear, something we should be concerned about. But I hear people say, Pastor, if they, if the government were to tell me that I could no longer share the gospel or have a Bible study in my home, I would stand against the government no matter the cost. Now, all those statements are good so far as they go, right? I would be like Daniel. I would stand against the government. I would be like Shadrach and Meshach. But the problem with all those things is they're all about tomorrow. They're about what's, what we would do tomorrow. And tomorrow, as we've already said, never comes, right? If we, if we measure our faith by looking at our tomorrow faith, we may get fooled about the health of our present faith. It's not so much about what you would do for God tomorrow as it is about what you are doing for God today. Do you see the difference? We comfort ourselves with this tomorrow faith, which is exactly nothing. Who cares what we would do for God tomorrow? That'll never come. The question is, what are we doing for God today right here? I think about, uh, think about how this unfolded in, with Jesus and Peter. So Jesus, just before his crucifixion, gathered the disciples together and, and he told them that very soon they were all going to abandon him. And Peter, uh, who always uh, spoke before he thought, uh, didn't like that Jesus was criticizing the health and the strength of his faith. And so G uh, Peter said to Jesus, Matthew 26, 33, Jesus, even if everyone falls away because of you, I will never fall away. That's what Peter said. And then Jesus said back, Peter, tonight before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Well, this tomorrow faith is very deceptive. It, it deceives us. And Peter was deceived. And so Peter then rebukes Jesus a second time. And he says, Jesus, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. What's, what's Peter saying? Tomorrow I'll have strong faith. What happened? That very night, Peter denied him three times. Here's the lesson. Don't describe your faith by what you would do tomorrow because tomorrow is nothing and tomorrow faith is worthless. Evaluate your faith by today. Well, number four, uh, as I uh, meditated on this, that uh, the Lord brought to mind from his word, don't be godly tomorrow. Now that just sounds wrong, doesn't it? 
Don't be godly tomorrow. But the truth is, tomorrow is your enemy if it becomes the time that you plan to be better. Now, this takes me right back to where all this started with Proverbs 27.1. If, if tomorrow is your excuse not to be godly today, then tomorrow is, is your enemy. I've already shared with you that as I, as I began this journey, really, uh, it took me a week, but as I began this journey, I had this list of things. I, I plan to be a better husband tomorrow. I, I plan to be better at family devotions tomorrow. I, I plan to be better at, uh, at consistent prayer tomorrow. I plan to be better at personal evangelism tomorrow. All of these things I plan to do better tomorrow. Tomorrow. Tomorrow is our enemy if it becomes an excuse for not doing something today. And I was letting myself off the hook because my plan, my firm plan, my, my real intentions are to be better tomorrow. You know, I think the best passage in all the Bible to talk about tomorrow is in the, in the book of James. James chapter four, there's four or five verses there that talk about tomorrow. I'll, I'll read some of them. Uh, you who say today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend time there, do business and make a profit. Yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you're nothing but a vapor that, that passes quickly. And so there's this warning about, about counting on tomorrow. And then I, I think in most minds, when, when people read the book of James chapter 4, they, they feel like the subject ends and then there's one more verse, the last verse in James chapter four. And most of the time we don't really connect it with the previous verses. We think it's a different subject, but I'm convinced this week, I'm convinced it's, it's a part of the same, the same thing. It's, it's talking about tomorrow. What does that last verse say? It is sin to know the good and yet not do it. What's he talking about? He's talking about your pastor planning to be a better husband tomorrow. He's talking about your pastor knowing, knowing of the importance of family devotions and being, and having every intention at being better tomorrow. He's talking about me knowing the commands about personal evangelism and planning to be better tomorrow. To know the good and yet not do it is sin. Don't be godly tomorrow. Tomorrow is your enemy it's, if it is and is defeating you if you plan to be godly tomorrow. And then number five, don't believe tomorrow's lie that there is no hope for you. Tomorrow is your enemy. Tomorrow is your enemy if it convinces you that your situation is hopeless. There's no hope for me tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'll just continue to go down. There's no hope for me. You know, many people have some pretty tragic stories. Uh, people have past sins and failures. People have made promises to God and broken them. Many people have broken relationships, shattered hearts, wounds, trauma, emotional scars. Many people have broken and lost dreams. They experience guilt and it all leads to hopelessness. And into those lives... Tomorrow whispers, no, tomorrow shouts, no hope for you, no hope for you any longer. But let me share with you the one place in scripture uh, that I found that the scripture talks about tomorrow positively. Can I do that? 
Lamentations chapter 3, listen to this. Verse 22, the Bible says, Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That's a verse about tomorrow. And it says for those that feel that tomorrow is hopeless, that you've gone too far, that you've exceeded God's limits, that you've broken the promises too many times, that you've been too badly hurt by others and your dreams are crushed and you think it's hopeless. God says, no, the mercies are new every morning. Let me just walk through that that passage a few words at a time. It begins by saying, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. Now, this is an Old Testament verse, but it's clear to us what he's talking about. What does he mean? Because of God's faithful love, we do not perish. Well, we know that we all deserve to perish because of our sin. You're guilty of sin and I'm guilty of sin. And the Bible says that our sin separates us from God. And we, because of our sin, deserve to perish. And there's nothing you can do to remove the history of sin in your life. And there's little you can do to remove the future of sin in your life. We're guilty of sin. And we're hopeless. We're hopeless. But because of God's faithful love, we do not perish That must be talking about Jesus on the cross. That's how God expressed his love for us. He sent Jesus, who is God himself, who lived a sinless life, who did not deserve death, who has has not been estranged from God. And so Jesus came and he died on the cross to pay my penalty for sin so that I don't have to perish. When the passage says, because of God's faithful love, we do not perish, it's talking about Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. And then he says, for his mercies never end. That means there is no limit to the sins that God will forgive through Jesus Christ. You have not passed the limit. You have not gone too far. You have not been gone too long. You have not broken too many promises for God's love not to rescue you and to bring forgiveness in your life and to give you hope. And then he says, they, the mercies of God, are new every morning. Here's the good news about tomorrow. God's love doesn't wear out. It doesn't run out. And there's hope for you. If you'll put your trust in Christ, if you'll embrace the love of God, if you'll recognize that God knew that you would be hopeless and lost in your sin, that's why he sent to us Jesus. And you embrace that and trust that. Then his mercies are new every day. Well, pastor, what if I sin again tomorrow? Okay, His his mercies are new again and new again and new every day. And then I love the end of this. He says, great is your faithfulness. And it's hard to see this without going and reading the entire first half of Lamentations 3. But the whole, but all the way down to verse 23, this is a sermon that Jeremiah is preaching to his people. And he's talking about God. He's saying, God this, God that, he this, he that. He's talking about God. Until he gets down to verse 20, 22, 23, and he says, Your, his mercies are new every morning. And the preacher, Jeremiah, gets so excited that he breaks his sermon and stops talking to the people and starts talking to God. And, and so you see, if you're an English teacher, you know when you read those two verses that something's messed up there. 
because of the Lord's faithful love. Third person, we do not perish for his mercies never end. Third person, they are new every morning. And then he shifts, he's not talking to the people, he just looks to God and he says, oh God, great is your faithfulness. Now why, why does he do that? Because once you accept that his mercies are new every morning, then you can say, great is his faithfulness. You see, when tomorrow says that there's no hope, we can say, God's faithfulness is great and it's renewed every morning. Just so your head bowed and eyes closed for a moment. Let me, let me sum this up in like three sentences. But just everybody as still as they can be. Tomorrow is your enemy. You got it? Tomorrow's your enemy. Tomorrow's your enemy. It'll make you worry. It'll steal your today. It'll fool you about the health of your faith. It'll tell you that it's hopeless. It'll give you an excuse to not be obedient in your living. Tomorrow's your enemy. But the mercies of God are new every morning. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, if there's never been a time that you've called out to him once and for all, surrendered your life to him, when we stand and sing in a moment, there'll be people here in the front. I want to invite you, not tomorrow, not a week from now, but this morning. Would you step forward and just take somebody's hand and say, I, I don't know everything and I probably have a thousand questions that you can't answer right now. But I just want you to say, I just want you to know that I'm not saying tomorrow anymore. It's not going to be the enemy that defeats me. Today, I trust the Lord. And they'll take it from there. They'll take it from there. But would you say, today I trust the Lord? But you know, a lot of us, we know Christ is our Savior, but we also know that tomorrow's been beating us up pretty badly. We keep saying, tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Would you say, today, that no longer will tomorrow be my enemy? I will embrace obedience to the Lord right now. Father, just show me the path that I should take. Father, in my life, I've recognized over the last week that I've lost a few battles to tomorrow. But I know that your mercies, your mercies are new. And I ask that I will no longer, you will help me no longer live in the future. But to live today, to love today, to be obedient today, to trust you today. And we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.